For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What do Trump, the Brexit, and the 4th of July have in common? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And this is 4th of July weekend. It is not actually the 4th of July. The 4th of July is on Monday. I have a special show Monday, the 4th, uh, from 5 to 7. And I'm going to give you my libertarian take on the founding of this country and what I think the founders would think about this country today, where we are today. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, it might be kind of hard to put your finger on where we are today. That the the zeitgeist, I guess, the spirit of the times is, uh, for me, it's not what we're being told that it is. When I read the paper, I'm being told that, that, for example, the Trump movement, the Brexit are bubbling up from this populist sentiment. And uh, I'm not so sure. I want to know what you think. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And I did... Uh, get some good tweets on this. I got a tweet from Tim saying, Brexit is the beginning of every man's revolution. And I thought that was very, very interesting because the fact that he wrote every man's revolution, like capital E, every man, evokes a kind of feeling of this populism. And that to me is very different from the Ron Paul revolution or even the Tea Party movement which to me was more like the second American revolution. To say it's every man's revolution really gives me this feeling of what I've seen referred to repeatedly as populism. And I know what populism is. I know the big populist movement. Uh, I laid out in a, a book that was highly recommended to me called The Populist Moment. It was a movement in the late 19th century. So it was like 1880s where the it was an agrarian movement it was a farmers movement and it was really a voluntary movement where the small farmers were getting together by the millions to try to exert some pushback on high railroad fees and other uh, supply fees stuff like that and it was a voluntary movement and i love that of course i mean i'm a hardcore libertarian but i think people think of it it's very like classic democrat thing to think of it as a call to the government to to help the little guy. And I feel like that is what the Trump movement is is doing, or at least what we're told that that's driving, that's animating the Trump movement. And when I read his full speech on trade this week, I think he gave the speech on Tuesday, 
and I read the full transcript of it, it was it, it really evoked that kind of feeling. And I think it was deliberately. Of course, I think Trump is a setup. I think he's he's playing a role here. I mean, I I don't want to insult the actual animating force behind the people who support him. I think there are legitimate issues there and they have uh, legitimacy. But when I look at this kind of backward looking speech, it it evokes this idea that he would use the power of government to restore the position of this kind of left behind forgotten middle class white guy like that's how it's presented certainly like i can read you a quote from the wall street journal this week where it actually like says that word for word practically that that's what we're supposed to think is going on here and that's uh also kind of what's behind uh that's the we're supposed to get that feeling from the brexit that the British exit from the EU that's emotionally driven from people who are suffering from the effects of globalism. And I think that kind of a revolution is a lot more palatable to the powers that be than the Ron Paul revolution was, which was a very strictly American style revolution where people were demanding that their government get smaller, that their government get out of the way. They were saying, we, the little guy, will take our chances with economic liberty, with economic freedom. We just want you to get out of the way. And that, by making government smaller, takes power away from, from those in power. So whether the the power elite that we're talking about is on the left or the right it doesn't matter at this point they want to maintain concentrate power at the top and the way they uh get support for that is to make these promises and i'll tell you if you think it's my imagination i mean i can i can go to historical books and political manifestos of the neoconservatism of the new conservative movement and give you hundreds of pages of this stuff but i i'm going to just read you a quote from this week's wall street journal i mean this week's wall street journal was chock full of propaganda and the one uh i'm actually going to read you a bunch of stuff if i have time from that just to point out how they're trying to mold our our thinking but this, so if you read the journal, I read the Wall Street Journal. It's what I consider to be the conservative newspaper of record for this country. And I read it not because I want to know what's really going on. I read it because I, I want to know what they want us to think is going on. That they want to shape our opinions for policy reasons. I do not think of it as a, an objective source of information, just as a, as a tell. Uh, it tells me what propaganda is on the agenda for the agenda. So there's like two pages in the back of the journal that has opinions and there's like five, six, seven, eight writers who who write articles every day or every other day for, for the journal. And they're really the voice of the journal, in my opinion. So one of these guys is William Golston. And he wrote on Wednesday, he said he just came back from the annual meeting of the European Council on Foreign Relations. So if you don't know what the Council of Foreign Relations are, it's this really uh, organization that basically promotes world government. Maybe they call it world governance, so you can't tell what they're really up to. Hillary has said she basically reports to it. 
The last thing I want is for the Council on Foreign Relations to tell me what to do, much less the European Council of Foreign Relations. But this is where he's coming from. And he said, listen to this. He says, given current circumstances, robust internationalism, which is what he's calling for, is inconsistent with the fiscal austerity imposed by budget sequestration, let alone Paul Ryan-style proposals for retrenchment in social programs. Paul Ryan-style Retrenchment? I mean, that guy is the biggest spender in Washington on the right side of the aisle. Uh, Anyway, he goes on to say, whatever its proponents may say, a smaller government at home means retreat abroad. This is the road to disaster, and we must not take it. So this is a voice of the Wall Street Journal, regular guy. He's always in the journal telling you what to think, how to think, what to do. And he's saying smaller government is the road to disaster, and we must not take it. So I found that very, very telling and really points out the difference between the Ron Paul revolution and this uh, Trump movement or the Brexit movement, however you want to think of what they're, they're really couching this as populism. And there are other things. So the journal was absolutely chock full of propaganda this week, just really trying to shape our collective psyche, I would say. And the two big themes that it came out with were, one was kind of the first overarching thing was this emotionalism that's driving people to choose Trump, to choose Brexit, is like the 1930s. It's xenophobic, like afraid of the outside. It's isolationist with respect to trade and foreign interventions It's uh, anti-immigrant. It's all these things. And it's a result of being left behind economically. We understand your emotions. But the 1930s, you know, you know what happened. So they're likening this movement to the feeling in the 30s, which I think is completely false. (laughs) I really do. But uh, and then the second thing that they're saying is if you continue on this path, you will regret it. So there was one on when, on Tuesday was a Gerald Seib article saying uh, how the 30s echo in today's politics, a rebellion against the existing order, a rise in nationalism and a retreat from international entanglements. Today's tensions sound like the 30s. Then he goes on to say, which resulted in cataclysmic consequences. And although we don't see that coming yet, we could this feeling that we're getting here, what we're seeing from the voters today could result in radical political experiments like what they're what you're headed towards is 30 style political experiments which we all know is fascism is hitler is uh mussolini and then on thursday there was another article that said this uh the geopolitical chaos that we're seeing now is is uh in some respects like the 1930s but the two articles that tell us how to react to that were the most telling. One was of Trumpkins and Brexiteers. He says, Brett Stevens says, get what you thought you wanted, get the opposite of what you really want. A, uh, uh, every vote that was cast for Mr. Trump in the primary becomes a vote cast for Mrs. Clinton in the general. So they're saying it's absolutely the Trump's Trump followers fault that we're going to have more of the same. And then finally, the last article uh, I'll cite is 
Winner's remorse may loom for Brexit backers. Perhaps one of the most dangerous things in politics is to get exactly what you want. And the feeling that I'm getting, the, the point of all of that, is that the message, the message that I keep getting is if you try to take your government back as a result of this emotionalism, you are going to end up with Hitler, you know, or Mussolini or fascism, that what you really need are technocrats, know-it-alls who understand the complexities of the modern world. Don't go for charisma. Don't go for this stuff. We understand you're annoyed, but, you know, democracy is not for the little people. It can really cause some trouble. And I feel like this will all be used not only to school the people who have stepped out of line, but to focus, to concentrate power at the top. They're actually foreshadowing. Get what you want. Uh, get what you thought you wanted and get the opposite of what you really want. What we're going to end up with is more power at the top, whether it's through the GOP or through Hillary or or whatever. This I think this whole thing is a setup and I've got lots of tweets and comments that agree with me and disagree with me and I'll get to your calls after this. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 92 degrees outside the studio a 5 on the Mellish meter. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to basically start the show with uh, the weekend prize pack, which I love because it's so cheerful to give away this awesome stuff. Uh, A pair of tickets to see Brantley Gilbert in concert on August 26th at Lakewood Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation, and a pair of tickets to the Laid Back Festival featuring Greg Allman and ZZ Top. That'll be awesome. On October 29th at Lakewood Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation. First call, 404-741-0750. Gets that. That does look really fun. So uh, what I'm talking about here is... This feeling that we're being told is the what's behind Trump, what's behind Brexit is this feeling of being lost and left behind of like the classic American Midwestern white guy thinking that this country has left him behind. That's what I'm reading. I mean, I can I'm not going to read you any more quotes, but I could read you a million quotes that say stuff like that. But that kind of uh you know, when I asked on Twitter, which you can tweet at me at Monica Perez show, what people felt was the kind of uh, spirit behind Trump and the Brexit. I got a lot of tweets that reflected this sentiment when I got from Leonidas. Uh, he said that they are about taking your country back, about sovereignty. And sovereignty is kind of a tricky question for somebody like me. I'm a hardcore libertarian. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. So I... I believe, like, I kind of open my eyes to the true nature of the modern state. So I don't deny the existence of a nation, of a culture, of a people, of a language, and I don't deny the value of government, of uh, of dispute resolution processes, of enforcing the the single law, which is don't touch me or my stuff. It's this modern state that acts like it's the nation, acts like it's the people, acts like it's there to enforce that law, protect you and your property, but it actually doesn't. It's its own entity with its own purposes, and it 
works in its own interest at our expense. So it should be ensuring peace and prosperity by enforcing these laws that stabilize humanity. They're basically the same everywhere. No stealing or killing. I mean, that's it. And that's what we think our government is there for. But it's not there for that. It's there now. It's It actually abuses that. It takes our trust and it betrays us basically using laws, policies, whatever, to dole out privileges to cronies or whatever. And it can be subtle because it's hard to follow like how the tax code can reshape an entire industry, but it can. And when that reaches up out of just your own domestic economic environment and reaches into the world, they basically call that globalism. Does globalism mean free trade or does it really mean this manipulation of markets for for globalist corporations? I'm going to address that after this 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And of course, I'll re- read more tweets at Monica Perez Show. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And one thing that a liber- libertarians can disagree about or at least be misunderstood, uh, have conflicts with each other, is what, how to apply libertarianism in the real world. So I think I don't think it's utopian and unrealistic to think of a free society, of a libertarian society. I actually think the modern state is a um, is a mistake or a corruption or a plot. You know, if you if you really if some you can go back and look at the the seats of power for thousands of years, and some people see that there a continuum there that that the human development of political system stuff has been directed. By the people at the top, maybe starting with the bankers in Italy, you know, when during the Renaissance, when that was where uh, power became truly concentrated was when I guess, you know, being able to charge interest became okay in the church, something like that. But when if you look at uh, so I, I believe that the natural state of human society, the vast, vast majority majority of people have this uh you know, can live together in what Frederick Hayek, who is a big libertarian writer, wrote the road, wrote the road to serfdom. Talks, I think he called it spontaneous order. There's also, uh, I think Rothbard maybe calls it the self-ordering society. That when you recognize the natural law, don't touch me or my stuff. You people live by that, and and Hayek brings out that part of that is. The way that works is having norms of behavior, cultural norms, like, uh, you know, how you get online or drive cars or whatever decides who's at fault in an accident. You know, cultural norms help this this orderly resolution of disputes, that kind of thing. So culture has value. And uh, Murray Rothbard, Mr. Libertarian, wrote the Libertarian Manifesto. He he also talks about that the difference between the nation and the modern state. And 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 what a lot of libertarians I think miss is that culture does matter. It's important. 
But as a libertarian, you don't want to legislate that. You don't want to make laws to make sure the culture doesn't evolve. You don't want to do that. And similarly, you can't make laws in a free society for people to cross the borders uh, if they want to get a job from somebody who wants to offer them a job. You can't do that. I mean, really, theoretically, there are no borders because there are borders on my private property and I'm a sovereign citizen, but you're not going to have this uh, this idea that somehow the collective has a right to all that property in a collective that's that's the same as the private property owner who earned that property has the right of, of total control over his own property. So this concept of sovereignty gets a little difficult to wrestle with from a libertarian point of view because we think in terms of how it should be in a free society. But we don't live in a free society. So for me, I recognize sovereignty, the sovereignty in the United States, as having value because... Because actually, because we allow people to vote, which if you think about voting, what is voting for? I guess in this country, really, it's to pick the people who are going to execute the laws, the laws that we've agreed to in the basic foundational documents like the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You look at those laws and they are objective and you should not change them. Voting should not be able to change those laws. But they do. They, 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 this country has kind of devolved to where people will, uh, elected officials will use just the fact of elections to justify any change, even in a fundamental law. It becomes like a mob rule thing. And they know that they can do that, so they manipulate the demographics so that they have people come in to vote in a way that is inconsistent with the cultural values and goals that we uh, would have in a free society that we do have. That that it that's what I draw the distinction between the Trump populism and the Ron, Ron Paul revolution. The Ron Paul thing is very American economic and personal liberty oriented, liberty and justice for all, very strict principles according to our founding documents. So that's where I think we uh, we run into some trouble when we talk about globalism. Because if you look at it from a purely free society, yeah, a glo- there's nothing wrong with a global corporation. If we're talking about free trade and uh, competition in, in every area, but we're not. What we're talking about, what people mean by globalism and the reality of globalism seems to me that you can get a very powerful company, corporation, working hand-in-hand with a world government institution like the IMF, or the World Bank or whatever, and go into a country that's already corrupt or corrupt it, you know, a poor country, you go to the president and you give him some money, not even to to make way for your company, but just to put regulations in place that make it impossible for the poor people in his country to actually start, you know, hamburger stand. If you say, well, you have to have a kitchen that's this size, whatever, who is going to be able to do that? Not not the regular guy. It, it will in effect, create an advantage to what they call global corporations. And this is the kind of thing that people sense is unjust, but they can't really tease it out or they're they're being portrayed as in the newspapers as being unable to tease that out. And then you they're they're being called emotional, not really understanding how things work, xenophobic, against free trade. 
But I think if you actually had the conversation, you would find that they're not against free trade at all. But what they are against is this deliberate manipulation that that takes all the money and the power in the world and starts to funnel it up to the top through corporations, banks, whatever. And that's what they don't like. And that's what they are rebelling against. And I think they actually do understand it. I think they do understand it. But what 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 I'm hearing in the Wall Street Journal and in the big mainstream media is uh, you people are just being emotional, and what you need is technocrats. You, know, you need people who know how to manipulate this world market. But the world market doesn't need manipulating. That's the fundamental of libertarianism. That's the self-ordered society. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Michael and John's Creek. Hi, Michael, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm frustrated. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of something called the International Property Maintenance Code. The very name should scare you. Never heard of it. It is something adopted by Johns Creek in the city of Sandy Springs, which basically uh, takes our property rights. By the International Property Maintenance Code, you are in violation of the code if you have a two-by-four in your garage. What? I have been cited for tree branches in my backyard. I live in a subdivision that has no restrictive covenants. I just had to pay a $250 fine because I dared to have a boat parked on my driveway. Moved it, but did not have a gravel bed underneath it in time. And this affects your whole town, and you're telling me that it is based, it's based on a model international code, or is it ICLE or the Agenda 21 stuff? It comes out of Belgium or Norway or somewhere. Um, And basically, if you read the code, I've even told the code enforcement officer that it literally says that if you have building materials, which they call rubbish, in your garage, you are in violation. He says that's correct as long if somebody sees it. And the way it works is that your neighbor can make an anonymous complaint against you, and that starts the entire process. Or somebody I who's, also you know, they can put an enforcer down there on the ground driving around and messing. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they react to the anonymous complaint, or so they say, but how do you know? Because it was anonymous. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> And I have a neighbor that other of my neighbors have told me is targeting me in particular. So she's using the police power of the government to harass me. I just paid a $250 fine. And then when I went to get the money, they told me if I wasn't back within half an hour, they would issue a bench warrant. This is all news to me, but I'll tell you, I am, when I was looking into T-Splost, of all things, you, know, you think it's a traffic thing, I found all these deep roots into the UN, Atlanta in particular, is knee-deep in UN stuff, Agenda 21 stuff, sustainable city Very stuff, strong so. cities. You know what I'm saying? These international, they're... they're Absolutely, they are. And the yes. worst part is none of the city council people have even read it. I called them out on it multiple times. They haven't even read it, but they signed off on it. This is what I'm thinking of, Michael. You're reminding me that I, you know, I get so frustrated. I get actually really depressed and I feel like there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. And I started to think I spend, let's say I spend 20 hours a week trying to keep up on the news, preparing for the show, doing the show, but I'm like a full-time mom and housewife and stuff like that. But I spend this time mostly because I really worry about this world for my kids. And I, and I wonder if people were to spend, you know, the X amount of time in the local, like, where they're making the laws. Just go to the legislator. You're like, just go well, and that's sit the there. Thing, Monica, nobody knows because it's misrepresented. When you go down to these departments, they are privatized. They are actually incentivized because they get their money from these code enforcement fees. 
you don't even know. None of these people actually work for the city of Johns Creek. It's a yeah, that public-private partnership thing. You know, again, yeah. you think that libertarians always think that's the right way to go. It's a, it's a trick. It is a trap. It's absolutely <gasps> it. What are we going to do, Michael? you got to help. You can't leave me like this. Well, p- people have to get informed. I mean, I, you'd be surprised how many people I've told about this that had no clue. Now, a lot of the people that I know have either stopped doing business in Johns Creek because they're also punishing business owners here, or they're moving. That's a pretty sad state. I've been in this city for 21 years before any of the city council members or the mayor. I've lived in a subdivision purposely that has no restrictive covenants, and yet I'm punished regularly. Well, I'll tell you, Michael, my the biggest hits I get on my blog and my Facebook page and everything are when I direct people to local issues like this where they can make a difference. They will respond. So I'll look into it, but if you send me, you can go to my website, monicapressshow.com, and email me the thing. I'll post it. We can talk about it. There are resources, and I'm beginning to think that uh, what we really need to do is just dedicate a couple of hours, you know, a week maybe, or even less, to trying to take the local stuff back, because this stuff that you're talking about is a backdoor to international uh, internationalism. They actually are going to, you know, make these little units of government modular, so it's easy to fit them all in. Well, thank you very much for the call, Michael. I'm going to go to Randy uh, in Marietta. Hey, Randy, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, what uh, you and the gentleman uh, right before me were talking about this uh, private uh, uh, partnership with the government. It always smacks of uh, fascism to yeah. me. You know, for a privately owned company. To be able to get taxpayers' money, uh, you know, corporate welfare, I guess, is what they call it. It's it's very strange. But, you know, that's uh, the the preface what I wanted to ask you about. You know, I was just listening to you. From the libertarian perspective, I'd like you to clarify a little closer as to what you think about uh, the sovereignty issue of our borders with, uh, you know, the Trump campaign and everything. Uh, You know, libertarians, to me, it seems like, you know, anything goes. I'm all for a free country. Do what you want. I'm a free person, right? This is a free country. Uh, But what about uh, you know, are the sovereign borders of a country? Do you, as a libertarian, think that you know, if you want to hire an illegal alien, you ought to be able to without the government? Yeah, just enlighten me as to what you think about what's going on with this whole, uh, you know, undocumented illegal alien thing. Yes, in our the, country today. The thank you very much, Randy. I'll respond to that. Um, the libertarian perspective is that individuals have the right to exchange an arm's length with other individuals. And I get no end of um, pushback from libertarians because I recognize that now we have, you you don't have the right uh, to associate, for example, with whom you, you want. So you don't have strict control over your own private property. And that makes people need to look to the government to define it. So if you can't say, uh, this is my bar, I only want people in my neighborhood to come into this bar or whatever, if you can't control that and the controls come at a, at a border that's further away, then you look to them to control those borders for you. And I would say if we restored strict property rights, 
you would not have that problem. But I think the biggest problem, and I should really get into it at length, I think I, I have to go to a break. So I'm going to go to a break, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you really what I think the actual problem is, the policy issue that is driving this conflict over immigration. And I think we should, it, it not all libertarians will agree with it, but it'll make it clear what my position is. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 95 is the high today. 73 the low overnight weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Randy just asked me before the break my libertarian position on sovereignty, the borders, immigration. For me, it's kind of a trick question and i'll give it to you in different terms so you can see what i mean if you think of globalism as free trade and the free movement of people as a libertarian i would be for that i am i'm for free trade and uh, i'm for the free movement of people but when trade is manipulated for the benefit of those at the top you can't Think of those agreements between countries as free trade. And you can just see it. You can see those policies are in the way. And if they got rid of those policies, we wouldn't have a problem. It's harder to see with immigration, but the same thing is going on. Free movement of people to fill demographic or technological changes makes sense. If you have a demographic bust and nobody, everybody's old and there are no nurses to take care of them, you're going to let people in and you're going to want them to come in. And they will be drawn in, whether they're borders or not, in response to jobs. But what is clear to me is that these things have been manipulated for decades. For example, the government created these demographic busts in first world countries by promoting this idea of a population bomb. China actually had population controls, a one-child policy. The government, as far as my, I've read this, my research suggests that the development of the birth control pill was uh, subsidized by government research. This demographic bust, together with a welfare floor where Americans who Uh, make under a certain amount of money, just can get welfare instead. They're not going to take those lower-paying jobs. This creates this vacuum in uh, in countries that draws in lower-skilled workers, immigrant workers. At the same time, government policies that blow up other countries that undermine the peace and prosperity of third-world countries promote those people to move from where they are. If you look at the policies of the past 50 years, you'll see it was intentional. And the intention, in my opinion, my conclusion is, the intention of moving these people around is to undermine the cultural cohesion that provides competition for government power. So a culture, a religion, a family, community is uh, doesn't so easily succumb to the state. So they move these people around to undermine that and... As a bonus, they get a tremendous amount of conflict in those countries where they have these different groups with different values. And what does conflict do? It creates a cry for government intervention. They're calling out for the government to do something. And not not just your own domestic government. It's a world problem. And it must 
by implication, be solved by a world government. So that's why I, I, you, you can't have this conversation about what I would do in principle as a libertarian in a free society. We are so far beyond that. I think it's time for us to see that what is going on is a manipulation. So Wes, Maurice, uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. So hang on. I'll get to your calls right after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.